Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Business Podcast. I'm Amanda Eulenkamp. And my guest today is Simon Torrode, founder and CEO of innovative and award-winning estate agency Living Room. Winner of the best single office estate agency in the world in the International Property Awards Living Room, with offices in both Guernsey and Jersey, has come a long way from when Simon started the company on his kitchen table in Guernsey in 2006. It was fascinating to chat to Simon. We spoke about his entrepreneurial journey, his approach to business and Guernsey's housing market, which is a hot topic at the moment. So here's Living Room founder and CEO, Simon Torrod. Simon, first of all, congratulations, the world's best estate agency. Tell me how that feels. Thanks very much, Mandy. It, look, it's it's really it's a really difficult one to try and comprehend, and it's not something that I ever would thought would have been possible. Um, you know, when you're, you probably know when I started the company, I sort of started it on my kitchen table in in my house in Mount Row, and um, I certainly never thought that that would happen in the future. And just to be given that accolade and that opportunity, I think it's been pretty amazing. Um, we fought hard for it, um, uh, but uh, to be recognised on an international stage is is really, really humbling for us. And it's not the first award that you've won either, is it? You see, you, I'm sitting here two. in your office looking at <laughs> one a plethora of awards. <laughs> one or two, yeah, one or two. I think they, I think they're a really good way of uh, digesting your work year. And breaking it down and saying, okay, what have I done this year? What have we achieved? What can we do better? How can we move forward? How can we evolve? Um, And in that respect, I think they're a really, really good way to edit what you do. But is, is this the first time you've won an actual global award? I think think there's a UK, aren't they? So we've won two now. This is the second The first was in 2017 um, when we won uh, Best uh, Property Marketing in the World, um, which was amazing um, and very humbling as a designer, historically, um, before property. That's that's the world that I was in. So I always wanted to move into property to try and uh, evolve the industry and change the industry through its aesthetics and customer service. And um, so to get that award for that was was absolutely mind blowing. But then to get the award for actual practice single office um, for the Jersey office this year um, was just incredible. It was absolutely fantastic and blown away. So we were up against the big boys. So uh, the people that we were up against have huge global power, massive uh, spans of offices around the world. Um, And to be at that level... Um, was really humbling. It was fantastic, actually. But we were just talking a moment ago before we came on air about uh, businesses nowadays. It's a lot more authentic, isn't it? And we're getting back to our roots, potentially. You are a very warm and personable person. Do you think that has been key to driving the business forward? Uh, that's very kind of you to say. I, I, I think just trying to be authentic um, and you know, just trying to never forget who your client is. That's my biggest um my biggest sort of uh, thing I could say to anybody starting a business is never, ever forget who your client is um, and never, ever forget your mission statement. So when we uh, set the company up, it was to bring a level of quality and service to every spectrum of the housing market, not just the high end. 
So historically in the property world, a lot of care and attention was always placed on the higher end of the market. And, um, you know, I'm a Guernsey boy. I was I was bought, born in Guernsey, grew up in Guernsey. Um, I have a very sort of uh, clear understanding of how an island mentality works. Um, and I think that's the difference of what we bring over and above sort of a UK firm coming into the island and setting up here. Because we understand the people that live within it. Um, and that is warm and that is personable and that is going the extra mile. Um, and that's not just trying to reface the model of a UK or an international agency in Guernsey, because it just doesn't work. Um, certainly in my perspective, it's about really understanding the ground that you walk on. And you were quite disruptive when you first came on the, on the market, weren't you? And you know, I remember when you first launched your website and you first brought out that amazing glossy brochure that you still have to this day, although I think it's evolved yeah. over the years. Um how were you perceived in the, in the marketplace then by oh the other agents hated me <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest um so we really did set about to to try and do things differently interestingly the uh, some people that i used to work with some old colleagues uh, said amongst themselves which all got back to me that they just simply don't understand what i'm doing or why i'm doing it um and i think everything that we've achieved is proof that you know it, I'm very proud to say it has worked um, and, uh, you know, trying to reface the industry and bring some personality to it um, in what was a very male, pale, stale industry. Um, you know, the pinstripe suits, the old school networks. Um, historically, that's what's always been associated with agency. And that's really changed. Um, so January the 26th, 2006, we launched. And <clears throat> my first deal was uh, for the head of the Guernsey Bar. And um, so uh, friends of the family, I've known them a very, very long time. But, you know, he could have an opportunity, had an opportunity to deal with any agent in Guernsey and someone that has obviously been in the legal uh, world for his entire life uh, alongside a lot of these uh, sort of old school agents. And he gave me that opportunity to sell his house incredibly grateful for um and that was the first ever sale so even in that world there were people actively wanting change and wanting an evolution of the industry so i think that was proof when they did that and they chose me that that they they wanted to see difference and during the years that you've been open as, as an estate agency as well technology has come on in leaps and bounds and you've actually really taken huge advantage of that haven't you Hasn't it just? Um, yeah, bamboozles me sometimes, to be honest. Um, smoke and mirrors on the outside. But uh, no, behind the scenes now, I mean, I, I have an interest in it. I have a very strong interest in, in, in trends and technology. But um, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's flashing past us all at a rate of knots now. Um, so it's quite interesting how uh, technology and trends have changed so much over the years and how we sort of really pioneered the use of uh, the website and how that is perceived and um, uh, email marketing. We were one of the very, very first companies in Guernsey to use email marketing as a tool uh, with newsletters and um, digital marketing. And one of the very first companies um, in the Channel Islands to use social media to sell on um, and picking that up as a tool. But that's also changing as well at the moment. And that's something that we're 
pioneering um, a new change and a new mentality in that as well, which is actually slightly stepping away from that. Um, so always on the go, always looking at how we can make it better for our clients, how we can make it easier um, and trying to do what we can to make it more interesting. And as a business grows, it, you know, you have to take strategic views of what you're going to do with marketing and looking after the accounting side. You've got to have an overview of that. Your team has grown hugely, hasn't it, over the years? Yeah. And you've got now got teams in Guernsey and Jersey who presumably work together a lot anyway. But do you do you do you still get involved in the actual sales of property, or are you? You know, sometimes you have to step away because you are the CEO. So. Um... I can't get involved in a lot of the day-to-day sales and valuations as I used to. I simply don't have time. Um, uh, running the, I call it the juggernaut, running the juggernaut, it, it does take a lot of time. Um, I also want to empower my staff, and it's not necessarily about my ideals and my ideas anymore. It's about theirs, and it's about sharing the ideas that they've got moving forward and also empowering them to seek their contacts and empowering them to, to move forward and drive forward in the industry. And I've been in it for sort of 25 years now. So it's, uh, it's also about letting them step forward. No business is without its challenges. Um, I'm sure you've had those over the years. Um, it's the grey hair. That, let's, yeah, let's know, <laughs> what, what did you have to cut, overcome? I'm guessing perhaps some prejudice to, to the new boy on the block? Yeah, I've kind of overcome quite a lot really I suppose in some respects um, you know working in a in an industry that sort of needed change but but the old school networks sort of resisted change so we had that sort of uh, butting of, of uh, other people in the industry when we set up um, all sorts um, you know changing staff people that you work with um, whether it's the the right or the wrong place for them to work and it's time for them to move on um, but you know I've been there literally from the start um and uh i've been on that this this huge roller coaster that that is um it's difficult to describe it's empowering it's exciting um every deal is exciting so you get that level of excitement alongside the business progression as well so yeah it has it's been it's been an interesting an interesting time a lot of long hours um i've worked uh, safe to say i've worked very very hard um, and uh, a lot of uh, working through the night and uh, just trying to keep up with it all. Yeah, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds, is it, running a business always? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but as you say, you're a Guernsey boy, born and bred. You started the agency in Guernsey, but you're now, you now have a pan-island presence. Um, what inspired you to go into the Jersey market and how different is it to the Guernsey one? Well, I wanted to be the very first um, Channel Island estate agent. And we're the only Channel Island estate agent, which is great. So we're the only agency um, born in the Channel Islands that that is uh, in both islands. It was a natural progression for us. I actually looked at it uh, a few years prior to um, and met with um, Kevin uh, Lamazne in Jersey. I remember the meeting really well. I was really nervous. And we were sat down and we were having a coffee uh, in the Radisson Hotel and... um, and I just didn't know what to expect. And, and I had this sense of nervousness to me that I, I just knew from that moment that it wasn't the right time. But it was worth making the investigations and it was worth asking the question. And then finally, um, when I sort of worked through other things in my life, I decided that it was the right time for me as a person. 
and I was uh, welcomed uh, with open arms, really, um, which was great. So uh, they were really, really good to work with. I mean, Kevin uh, Lamasne was superb, um, very interested in yet again in raising the bar in Jersey and in raising the quality of uh, website presentation, property details, the way that we were uh, synonymous for in Guernsey. Um, and he wanted to try and uh, create that in Jersey. So in that respect, it was hard work. Um, it was easier to, to move to Jersey and have a business license than it was to move to Jersey and have a residential license as well. So um, the residential bit was the hard bit um, and certainly had to fight my case for that. But, you know, the business is very much born from my ideals and, and my personality and I want to drive the business forward with quality. Um, so it was really important that I was there. I think I've driven every road in Jersey, at least God knows how many times now. And I was really, I was really interested with Jersey. And, and do you know what was really great about it was when I used to sort of fly over Guernsey and I used to look down and I used to think, I've sold that, sold that, sold that, sold that. And there are very few houses in the island that I hadn't been in or sold or been involved with in one way or another. When I flew over Jersey, I looked down and I just saw potential. I just saw houses to sell that I didn't know anything about and the people behind those houses. I just didn't know anything about them. So that was what drove me and that was what was really exciting. So I, I, I really deep, deep delved in, into Jersey, immersed myself in the island um, and really just, uh, I drove so much, walked so much, got to understand the island, got to understand the different areas. Um, and very quickly, everything just started to fall into place. I had an absolutely brilliant team. Um, Angela, who started uh, with me in Jersey, my uh, uh, senior negotiator there, she um, she was great. And uh, she was working for another agency. Um, and um, uh, so I did have knowledge that she was very talented and very personable. Um, so, you know, I started with really good foundations um and then uh, so we sat in a coffee shop and we made it happen found a premises and uh and then built it from there really um so i'm very very grateful for all my staff in jersey but especially the ones that were there in the very very early days because uh we really did build it all together and what are the similarities in running a business in guernsey and jersey and what are the differences You'd think Guernsey and jersey would be really similar but they're not they're completely different very very different working environments Similar aesthetics, some similarities there. But the reality is that they're just completely different playing fields. Very, very different mentality. Um, I love Jersey's commercialism. And I like, uh, certainly as an agency, um, where I've been working in, uh, in the island that I was born in and grew up in, it's really nice to take a fresh stance in somewhere that, that is quite commercial. Um, so Jersey works for me in that respect. Uh, in Guernsey, um, I call it, um, I was trying to describe this the other day, it's like a big spidergram of effect. So if, I, if I'm doing a deal with Gene Smith, I know Gene's sister, Gene's brother, Gene's son, Gene's daughter. I know the auntie, the uncle. So if you have a conversation with Gene, you know where that conversation is going to go. Um, and rightly or wrongly, um, you know, it is the nature of the island and particularly an island that you know very well and you know a lot of the residents within it. So, yes, I understand that 
from a personal perspective, you know, living and working in Ireland like Guernsey can be bad for mental health. It can be, you know, when you see it happening, you can really see the fact that, you know, so much happens in a small space and there's so much opinion in the island. And when you take yourself out of it and then add another island, which is of a completely different uh, makeup, it's really nice to see the differences. Um, I like the, I say I used to have anonymity in Jersey. Unfortunately, that's going now. But um, yeah, it's really nice to have that break uh, from knowing everyone and everything and everyone's relations. Um, and I think that's quite a healthy thing to do. And we talk, just touching on well-being then, as an employer as well, that's a really important thing, isn't it, to make sure that your staff are well looked after. And we've had a really tough couple of years with COVID and um, house sales, I believe, sort of uh, uh, went uh, through the roof, didn't they, for a, a time, especially yeah. the open market in, yeah. in Guernsey. Um, how, how did that affect you when you didn't have the office open? The team have been brilliant. Um, you know, they each have a different home environment as well. So, you know, for some of them, it was really easy to work from home. Uh, for some of them, it wasn't very easy. And some of them really, um, really lacked interaction uh, with people. Some of them thrived on it. Um, but because we have so many staff now, that you were always going to get that difference between um, those trains of thinking. All I would say is I'm incredibly proud of them uh, for how they've handled them, uh, the situation and, and how they've handled the, the whole uh, makeup of the lockdowns. Um, it's been really freeing as well to be able to sort of introduce Zoom, uh, introduce uh, FaceTime, uh, so FaceTime viewings um, to get uh, maybe some of the team that weren't so au fait with technology into looking at how to do FaceTime viewings. Um, and now they're, they're, they do them even in, in a time where um, they don't have to. Um, we were sort of trying to keep that technology going. Um, and Zoom meetings, so I can be anywhere in the world and I can dial in in the morning and we can have our team meetings. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it works really well for us as a team to kind of bring everyone together you mentioned that that technology you you'll probably keep that going for a while that must have changed hugely from when you first started out and but has the whole selling and buying process changed a lot over the last 20 years um, i think elements of it have changed uh i think in uh, you know it, certainly in guernsey when when i first started um 25 years ago uh, you know you were you'd go out and the market was strong and um you know people talk about the market being strong now but it was strong then um and if you hadn't have put the property under offer and come back into the office and say it's under offer, offer accepted, then it's almost question why not? Um, so, you know, it was a very quick process. And back way, way back then, um, so you would have the offer accepted and then the property would go into an operative period, which was two weeks. And within those two weeks, people would organise their survey, their finance and their title. And then the property would exchange and you'd sign uh, the conditions of sale um, uh, with your um, operative date. Um, so, look, it's changed massively. Those two weeks are now potentially a month, two months. Um, so that period of time in which people were able to do the contract uh, has extended greatly. A lot of it, uh, so UK offer letters, for instance, for banks. So um, a lot of banks uh, take quite a long time to bring the offer letters to the table. Um, so there are a few answers to that now where you've got uh, some money which is being sourced on Ireland um, through banks and local local financiers. So that tends to speed up the process somewhat. 
Um, but uh, certainly survey title, uh, boundary checks, advocate checks, um, and AML, obviously, uh, which we all... Uh, I mean, many people probably don't realise that we as an agency are regulated to the same level as a bank. Um, and every action that we, we do has a consequence, so we have to be incredibly careful on how we operate. Um, and certainly... Um, level of due diligence etc is is incredibly tight um so it has changed it's changed exponentially um it's a lot longer in the process so the actual process may be the same in terms of if you're buying a house you'll go to court etc but the bit in between really does take a lot longer that's where your expertise and your team's expertise comes in, isn't it? Hopefully, hopefully. yes. Yeah, yeah hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, just touching on the housing markets, you said it was strong back then. It's still strong now. You know, the, the papers are full of stories of um, affordable housing. There, yeah. there is a lack of affordable housing. There's a lack of land to build on. Um, builders themselves are overstretched at the moment. There's, it's very difficult to get a builder. Yeah. Um, what's your view on that? And how, again, how is that different in the two islands? Uh, I think in Jersey, obviously, you have more land. You've got a larger surface area. So, yes, uh, there are more spaces that are uh, have potential development potential in Jersey than we have in Guernsey. But I do think that there are pockets of land and there are pockets of areas and, and certainly development in Guernsey that we could be utilising to better effect. I, I'd certainly like to see um, help being given to people being able to get on the ladder. Um, and in what form, who knows? Um, that's the million dollar question. But I also think that people's um, ideals do need to change and adapt. So you, it happens all over the world. This isn't a Guernsey phenomenon. There's a lot of people in the island that sort of will uh, reflect on what is happening locally, but not really have a true understanding of what else is happening in the world. There was a time that you used to be able to look in the uh, Sunday papers and you used to look in the back and you used to look at all of the listings in Devon and you used to be able to sell your house in Guernsey and you could buy a house in Devon and you could have change. That's changed. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a time uh, sort of within recent years where, you know, a lot of places were overtaking Guernsey. Um, it is not a centrally focused phenomenon that is just happening in Guernsey. You've got a, the same conversation is happening all, all over the world. In every town across the UK, in every city in the UK, you have exactly the same conversation that people are struggling to get on the ladder. There is a definite seed change in acceptance for rental um, uh, and a more accepting uh, understanding that maybe people will be within the rental sector for longer. You, you know, you've also got uh, a bit of a, a bit of a difficult one. And, and this is quite interesting to talk about this now. So certainly over the years, we've seen a, a change in the property that is offered. So if you take a, take a young couple, for instance, they're a first-time buyer, you're taking them to a house and um, you're sort of walking them around and they're thinking, because they've done so much research, they know what they can get for their money, they're completely aware of what their money buys them and they get excited, they see something, great. Okay, second viewing, let's get second viewing booked in and then they bring the parents and the parents will be there. And the parents will say, oh, well, you know, when we were looking, we could have a three bedroom bungalow with half an acre of land or, you know, we could park 10 cars. I mean, this is disgusting for what you get for your money. But things change. And the reality is, you know, that climate has changed, not in Guernsey, but all over the world. 
So people's expectations on what they can buy and what they can achieve have had to change. Um, so, you know, whether people's aspirations are to have a, uh, you know, to be able to afford, a, you know, a two or three bedroom bungalow in the Vale, for instance, the reality is that they may have to change what their preconceptions are and adapt to the market. But whenever they get on the market, in whatever form it is, they'll be on and they'll move with it. Um, and it's often very, very difficult for the people that aren't researching the market to truly understand what you can get in Guernsey for your money. But those who are willing to accept the change and jump on the ladder at the level that they can afford, um, they will do well. But it's the same story and it's the same conversation that even our parents were having 30 years ago. So 30, 40 years ago um, when, you know, they were going to these bungalows um, at sort of, you know, £15,000. And it was a lot of money back then. And it was the same thing happening then. It is cyclical. It's it's not new. The, these aren't new conversations. It's just it's just conversations are louder these days. They're, they're, you're able to see the conversations, whether it's in social media, uh, whether it is uh, projected through media on television, through the paper, however it is done. Um, the message is stronger. And of course, we mustn't forget that interest rates were a lot higher That's many right. years ago, weren't they? I mean, they're. Yeah. I know they are creeping up slightly now, but they've been yeah. at an historical low. Yeah. Um, so it's been a good time to borrow. It's been a really good time to borrow. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there is some concern. Even UK buyers may not notice the rise immediately um, due to the prevalence of fixed term mortgages. So there are quite a lot of people that have fixed. Um, so, you know, in that respect, uh, you're not going to get a correct viewpoint instantly. It's going to take a little bit, little bit, a little while to, to see the after effects of that. Um, someone else was asking me this question yesterday and they were sort of saying, you know, how do we think, how do I think we're going to fare in the Channel Islands? And there's two trains of thought historically if ever there's anything happened in the world we've always been relatively insulated in the channel islands um, we have our own relative bubbles um, which have has been really supportive and protective of us um, but the world is getting smaller and you know uh, particularly when you're you're dealing with banks that have a for instance a much more of a global outlook rather than a local outlook um, you know there is a chance that we may have or feel a little more of a knock-on effect um, but I would say that certainly in my experience and my knowledge of the Channel Islands and seeing what I'm seeing and talking to the people that I'm talking to, I would say that I feel safer here than I would feel in other jurisdictions. I think I think the main thing is just to um, you know look at what's happening in the world and 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 keep a close eye on it. But um, you know, to, to obviously also understand that we do live in, you know, different environments. We're really lucky in the islands. We are bolstered by, um, there's a huge amount of wealth in the islands um, and, uh, and a huge amount of people here who are uh, phenomenally influential um, and um, certainly in the business community um, who are here to support the islands. Um, so I think everyone should be incredibly grateful for having those people in their lives that can help keep the islands well um, and uh, you know some of our, our business leaders um, certainly in the finance world that we've got based here um, you know they only have our best interests at heart and um, I think it's I think it's uh, I think we're okay.
And Simon, we've just had the latest uh, results out, haven't we, for house prices, the average house price in Guernsey, um, exceeding half a million for, is that the second or third quarter in a row? Um, Just tell me how uh, your views on that one. Yeah, so in Guernsey, the average house price is now uh, 573,155. Um, so if I say it quickly, it doesn't get any lighter, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Um, but it is relative. Um, and this is, I heart back to sort of what I said earlier on, these are global increases. These aren't isolated to just the islands. Um, if you had the same conversation with with people in Bristol, in sort of UK cities that have seen big levels of growth, um, they'll all be saying exactly the same thing. Um, you know, their their average house price index um, has increased so so much um, that it is slightly gawping. Um, I think the reality is um, not to forget that we're not alone. And do you think we are in danger of having a brain drain away from the island because young people are finding it difficult to get on the housing market here? I do. I think, well, I think it's, uh, I think it's complex. Um, and I think certainly recruitment has become very, very complex um, based on uh, housing and the lack of. Um, it's, it's something that I... I don't have a crystal ball. I can't give the answer for. It's not something that I I really have a, a you know a strong idea of how it can be fixed. Um, certainly, it will be interesting to see how land is used. Um, what will be really nice uh, is uh, schemes that are set up locally that support uh, first-time buyers, but also lock in the ability for first-time buyers to buy those properties once those people have moved on. I think there have been been quite a few developments in Guernsey over the years that have been built for first-time buyers and then uh, supposedly sold back into the system for first-time buyers. But actually, they've had the ability to sell to anyone, so the prices have risen. So we've actually lost those first-time buyer properties um, from the market. Um, In Jersey, uh, there are first-time houses um, and first-time buyer properties that are locked into that sector that can't be released. So you have to be a first-time buyer to be able to buy them. Um, Rather astonishingly, some of them are going for an extortionate amount of money. So when you list uh, a first-time buyer property in Jersey for sale and it's 650000 try managing that on social media. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. Jersey also have um, schemes where the parish helps with first-time buyers, don't they? Yeah, I'd say that, um, um, and certainly whether it's in the private sector or whether it's through Andium or or, or companies that that are set up to sort of uh, to help in Jersey, I think that there is certainly some schemes there that could be brought into Guernsey that may uh, help the Guernsey property market. I think uh, some help towards first-time buyers would be really, really useful. I also think um, a, lot of, a lot of conversation is also had about self-build. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to, to look at some self-build schemes um, uh, in Guernsey. Um, and uh, what you do see as well in the island is is the density of the builds that are happening in the north part of the island. And I do have a relative sympathy for um, people within those communities because... Uh, it will be interesting to see 
more builds throughout the island in certain sectors. So we're obviously running on a, a Mura scheme at the moment, which is based on uh, parish centres. Um, and there will be a few more builds coming to market that are based around village centre locations. Um, so that is taking uh, some of the builds away from the north of the island and spreading them around. But I think that really needs to be done. I think that's really fair. Um, I think the people in the north of the island have had had a lot thrown at them in a short space of time. Um, and it'd be nice to see that developed. Uh, Simon, since you, you started, and as I say, you were quite uh, disruptive in your uh, uh, way that you advertise the business and advertise houses. But how is that changing now? Oh, <laughs> it's forever changing. Um, I've got to try and keep my finger on the pulse. Um, and um, that's what's, I guess, what, what we as an agency bring to the table, which is a bit different from our competition. Um, my background is marketing, marketing, advertising uh, and design. Um, so we're constantly looking at different ways to evolve. But in addition to that, it's the way that properties are taken to market and perceived in the market. So, for instance, we were one of the very, very first agencies to use uh, social media as a sales tool back in 2006. Um, and so we would start listing properties on Facebook. Uh, and then uh, we've built we built a huge following. Um, I think we've got, I think in terms of, I think it's sort of 60 or 70,000 with all of our pages together in terms of followers um, for digital following. And that's changing because we're working in an industry where so many eyes and ears are on us and watching what we're doing, watching the property market and everybody has an opinion. So even if you don't really track the property market, you'll have an opinion of the property market, some positive, some negative. So when we take on a property, our duty to the vendor that we represent is to ensure they're looked after. So you can imagine what happens when you list a property um, and uh, that property is then placed on social media to a wealth of commentary from the general public, which is negative. That's a really difficult thing to manage. So certainly, you know, we don't believe in censorship. We certainly don't believe in uh, a want to censor our audience. But at the same time, we have a duty of care to represent our client. That's a really big juggle. That's a really difficult call. So, um, you know, when we get uh, messages that are really unsupportive um, or, or are damaging to our vendor or the house that we represent, the conversation has to be deleted. So we took an option um, a few months ago now to remove all um, commentary from our Facebook property posts. And it's the best thing we ever did. Um, so our vendors feel safe when they know that their property is listed. They know they're not going to have a tirade of abuse to have to deal with. Um, it's, uh, it's constantly checked, managed, looked after. We have a, a big creative team in-house um, and that's all handled with care. See, that's really changed because back in, say, back in 2006, we were the pioneers to, to make that happen. But because we have our own creative team, because we have a PR team, we have everyone behind us, um, we're a bit different from the other agents, so we can sort of analytically look at that. So we're a lot more careful about how we present property to market. And I think we've <clears throat> probably softened a little on, on how we present ourselves as well. Um, 
just stepping back a bit, working much more behind the scenes, working much more as sort of matchmakers to sort of match people to property behind the scenes. And we do so much that people don't know that we do. And I love that. And it's the best feeling in the world when you can do a deal that no one knows about. Um, and creating that level of anonymity in uh, the Channel Islands is, is hugely difficult. Um, but we've got that pretty much mastered and that's working really well. So I think at the moment, certainly my, my mindset and philosophy and, and how I'm sort of trying to impart in my in my team is let's just put things together behind the scenes. Let's make things happen. Um, and I think there's nothing better than than going back to old school basics, picking up the phone, calling someone and saying, I've got the perfect house for you. Um, and that's really special. And that's really what I think the whole world's changing. And I think we're all now going into a different era where um, almost we're going to crave a little bit more autonomy. You've got I wrote an article this week um, and published it yesterday. Um, you've got Mini that are uh, have ha, has created within recent years a car that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Actually, they're just about to release a new Mini next year, which is a very similar size to the very original Mini that was built. So they're going to go right back to basics. They're going to strip out all the fancy things and they're going to go right back to basics, almost to the core of how they started. Or you get Nokia, where you've got this mobile phone um, revolution where actually it's soon going to become very, very trendy to not have a smartphone and almost go back to a almost an analog existence. So, And there's huge talk about how um, this sort of analog, taking a step back, simplifying uh, life, autonomy, being able to step off the conveyor belt. Um, and that's quite interesting. But it's all going back to basics. It's pairing backwards. So as a company, um, we're just pairing back a bit. Um, and um, it's really interesting, actually. I mean, the, the core of our job is to match people to property. And you can kind of, uh, you can have the technology and you can have this great service that we offer to people, but at the same time, never forgetting what our core message is and what we do. Simon, you sound a really busy man with the two offices now and a team of staff. And as we say, the, the housing market is really busy. In a very short question here, how do you relax? How do I relax? Oh, my goodness. Travel for me is my is my key thing. So um, uh, obviously very lucky that I was able to 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 be in the islands um, during the lockdowns, which was fantastic. And I was incredibly grateful for that. But for me, travel is is a way to get off the islands when I can walk down a street that I don't know anybody um, and I can sit on a beach that I don't know anybody and and, um, and uh, sit in a restaurant even by myself and not know anyone that's really relaxing for me that's when I, you, you get probably get me at my best but do you still find yourself looking at houses and always. thinking always that always, doesn't go away always <laughs> always yeah I have to say I tried to buy a property in, in, in Spain relatively recently and it was a complete disaster so I happen to know our housing market was you know is all right is comparably um, that was a real real challenge so uh, but uh, yeah no I think look I it's all about headspace and it's about allowing yourself some headspace um, and uh, Certainly, I have a, a business coach here, who, absolutely tremendous, tremendous guy. Um, and his piece of advice to me was that when we came out of lockdown, was for me to not be present uh, 24-7 in all of my staff's world post-lockdown. Uh, to not be in the office every hour of every day. 
um, and allow them to step forward, allow them to move forward. Um, and that's, I think, a really, really important thing. Also for me, um, you know, I can't, we, we, we've turned into a big company. Um, so, you know, it's not my place to know everything and every single intrinsic detail of every deal that's happening. I'll keep an eye um, and make sure that everything is running smoothly and do what I can do to make that happen. But rather than chasing every single detail, which is what I have historically done, now's the time to to trust in my team and, and they're doing an amazing job. Um, and I think that's really credit to them. And I think that's what's happened in the past few years is being able to sort of uh, be less of a control freak and... Uh, potentially uh, allowing allowing that to happen and are we going to see living room spain soon if we or, <laughs> or anywhere else no, in the world <laughs> no i don't think so um i i think i'm really it's really nice to have a focus on the islands um and i think that's really really quite healthy for me um who knows never say never um but i think at the moment my, my headspace is on on the islands and um you know to be able to commute between the two islands is super easy um and um, yeah, I think adding a, a third wheel into that at the moment would be quite complex. But they're good places to do business, aren't they? But how could they improve? Particularly Guernsey, you know, you were, we're sitting in your Guernsey office right now. It's a very lovely office. Um, how can the island improve in business, do you think? I think, I think we are. Um, I think you've got, you've got some really interesting big players here um, that are doing great jobs. Um, and you've got some um, really interesting businesses that, that are um, based here already that are doing great things. So, for instance, what I have seen and certainly what I've seen in recent years is um, so Jersey uh, invested very heavily in technology, um, in broadband technology and cable and all of the things to attract your tech wealth into the island. They did incredibly well. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of the, certainly a lot of the 2-1-E community in Jersey now is um, based on tech wealth, um, transportation links. Um, so they, they know they can get on and off the island easily. They know that they have um, uh, the relevant um, broadband capacity to, to, to operate their business from the island. Um, you know, they have got all of the things that they need to make that happen. And I think Guernsey were a bit slower um, than Jersey at trying to do that. But I think Guernsey have just really figured that out, that attracting people into the island and certainly business owners and new businesses to the island, the technology um, certainly needs to be better. I think what's really lovely, and, and take all the business and take everything out of the equation, I think the mental health for um, islanders is really important. And I think what Orony have done recently about providing these European flights has been phenomenal. And I don't think enough has been said about it. For the ability for an islander to get on a plane and be in Mallorca in an hour and a half is just incredible. Um, so I think there are companies that are listening to the wants and the needs of islanders and making things happen. And I think there's more to come. I certainly I know visit Guernsey um, and um, the comms team in the States, they're doing a really, really good job about getting messages out there to people and create new business. Um, I had a glimpse at some, some marketing campaigns and, and I have to say, I just think the way that Guernsey's being portrayed is really honest. I think it's great. Um, you know, really excellent food, fantastic lifestyle. Um, 
you know, really wonderful places to come and visit, I think is, is fantastic. I think we're on the right path. I also think it's really difficult to sort of compare the two islands. I think they really need to be two very, very different islands. I always remember Kevin Lamazane saying to me, um, you know, be careful how you um, uh, compare the two islands. And uh, it's really true. Um, they are completely different entities. Um, so we may be sister isles, but we are very, very different. I do have to have two hats. <laughs> so when I have one foot in one island and one foot in another island, you have to t- almost play two different roles. Um, so, you know, and I, I really like that. I think that's really nice. Um, and I like the difference between the islands. So, you know, it's all well and good, you know, Jersey doing one thing, but it's not necessarily right for Guernsey and vice versa. That was Simon Torrod. What a fascinating guy. Really enjoyed talking to him. A shortened version of this interview is in the July issue of Business Brief. Complimentary copies can be found at both Jersey and Guernsey airports, as well as in selected stores. We'll read it online at briefci.com. We'll be back with more interviews soon, as well as panel discussions reflecting the issues and opportunities facing Guernsey's business community. So make sure to hit follow or subscribe on your podcast player. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Get in touch because we're on Twitter, at gpressbusiness, or you can email me on aulenkamp at guernseypress.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time.